0: The Freedom Hut.
1: We're a day away from impeachment. The Democrats are already saying that they want fairness in the Senate. Also, Never Trump weighs in with vote for the socialist over Trump. Hunter Biden wants bears protected. And also, an eco-friendly fascist is coming for you. We'll get into that. And the possibility of the gig economy blowing up in California. So much more coming up on the Buck Sexton Show.
0: This, this is the Buck Sexton, Sexton Show, where the mission, mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One,
2: one two, three,
0: Make no mistake.
2: America. You're a great America again.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. We are a day away from... Impeachment day. This is where we would play the final countdown, you know, if we were in a sports arena, because we are at the final countdown for impeachment. Uh, here's the fantastic um, reality of our situation right now. We know what's going to happen. <laughs> we know that the president is going to be impeached. In fact, the uh, latest reporting is that they, on some on the fence Democrats, are saying, go for it. Um, We have who is this one here? Alyssa Slotkin of Michigan and Angie Craig of Minnesota have come forward and they have this this formulation. They're borrowing from the Pelosi nonsense, this formulation of with a heavy heart, with a heavy heart, we are voting to impeach the president of the United States. Could they just stop lying to us about what they think of this whole situation? I mean, if they want to make the case The flimsy nonsense case that the president committed high crimes and misdemeanors while committing neither a crime, high crime, nor misdemeanor. If they want to do that, that's their that's their uh, they're they're allowed to. But can they not act like they really, really don't want to? I was going to say that's their prerogative, which then always reminds me of that song. It's my prerogative. Remember that one? You know, you were like you weren't you weren't even a fetus yet. I don't think when that one came out. It was a long time ago. I think that was Bobby Brown, maybe. I did watch the uh, making of Ghostbusters last night on Netflix, so we can talk about that later. Fantastic. But we got to get through impeachment first. So much to talk about here. So much to dive into together. 17 of the 31 Democrat-held districts that Mr. Trump won in... 2016 had announced the Democrats from 17 of 31, they would support the abuse of power and obstruction of Congress charges, according to a Wall Street Journal survey. Uh, Abuse of power and obstruction. Now, keep in mind, obstruction in this case is going to a court and saying, hey, we would like you to weigh in on whether we have to produce these documents. That's now considered obstruction. If you fight back against the Democrat soft coup, you are guilty of a crime or even if you just resist the democrat soft coup you are guilty of a crime this is the new the new reality that we're all supposed to live in but there's something that's fun coming up here or I, i'm hoping will be fun i'm hoping it will be intriguing for all of us and that is the po- the chance that republicans will have to hit back against all this nonsense the chance that republicans will be presented with to show that they too can play the game a little bit. They can use the process themselves to score points against their political enemies, which is what this whole thing is. This is all a political exercise. And going into an election year, there's no way to view this that does not come out with, wow, I guess Democrats really are insecure about their prospects in this election year. I guess the Democrats really don't have what they think they need. In order to defeat President Trump. So they have to do all this other stuff. Which is why we are. Where we are. But the Senate trial. that's going to come. Because the president will be impeached. There's no question about that. It's going to be an entirely party line vote. You will not have a single Republican. Notice on the momentous. Acts of legislation. Of the last. Last. uh, Decade or so. Notice how. When. It's. A strictly party line vote on a major issue, it's when Democrats are doing something to get what they want. When it's a strictly party line vote, for example, on Obamacare, a major remaking of our health care system that even Democrats now say didn't work the way it was supposed to and really wasn't very good and wasn't as worthwhile as we were told it would be, as well as wasn't as good and wasn't as cost saving and all the rest of it. Now, once again, we're going to have an impeachment down a party line vote. We were told that that should never happen. In fact, we were told that by some of the Democrats who are currently pushing this impeachment. Ah, but when they said it, it was a Democrat, a Democrat who was being impeached at the time, Bill Clinton. Oh, and isn't it? Isn't it amazing to see how they're trying to justify now? They're, they're just working so hard to come up with these theories. One that I've seen recently is, well... Maybe Bill Clinton committed a felony and did a lot of bad things when he was president for which he was barred uh, from practicing law, by the way, disbarred from practicing law. Um, But it wasn't as serious as what Trump has done. What Trump has done is the founding father's worst nightmare, calling for foreign interference in our election. Uh, It's not enough for them to exaggerate what he's done a little bit. They have to go to the absolute maximum. They have to pretend that this president is say abusing his power more than a president who put Americans in internment camps or a president who suspended habeas corpus or a president who decided to resegregate the civil service like Woodrow Wilson did. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff, a lot of things in the past, a lot of abuse of power you could talk about far worse than even the theoretical abuse of power. The president engaged in here because it's not what they say it is and. They're lying even about the crime itself, but the crime itself is not nearly as bad as they're pretending it is. But they know that there may be some issue that comes up when there's a Senate trial. And so in classic Democrat style, they are now claiming they want fairness. Anybody who watched the Schiff run circus, as I did. Not all of it, not every minute, but hours and hours of it. I mean, no one should watch every minute of that thing. It's a mess. You can read the transcript. if You want to know everything that was said. That's what I usually do. But anybody who saw that Schiff circus, the Schiff show, as so many of us like to call it, knew that it was fixed, that it was unfair, that the whole process was meant to get a certain outcome against Donald Trump and that we should all just understand We should all understand that the Democrats had no interest whatsoever in presenting a process that would allow both sides to have a presentation of facts and narrative. It was supposed to slam down the throats of the American people a story about horrific presidential abuse that did not happen, but they want us to think that theoretically it could have happened. And based on that theoretical that they can't prove with no real witnesses to speak of other than people that are talking about how they served so long in the state department and they got fired and we're supposed to cry we're supposed to care but we don't they just tell us well orange man bad impeach him i mean they just skip to the ending get rid of trump this is a get rid of trump operation it was entirely and clearly unfair the entire time that the uh house had the majority here and they said right away in fact we know that there was a uh, Uh, The the people heard, overheard Jerry Nadler saying on a train from New York to D.C. that they were going to impeach President Trump. I mean, this is then that was right after the midterms. As soon as Democrats had the majority was, how do we get to impeachment? How do we use the process as a weapon against this president? Bad faith. Forget what the founders intended. Forget what would occur if we were approaching this from the perspective of people that can accept that they lost an election, that their ideas are kind of bad. The American people. Don't really like their ideas. They have to constantly, Democrats have to constantly lie about their ideas in national elections. Oh, no, we don't really want that thing. We're not really socialists, they will say, but they are. As you look, though, at uh, what's happening now, the Senate is going to be running the show pretty soon. We're going to come back after the break. There's going to be a Senate trial and you have Senator Chuck Schumer, who just just wants everyone to. Be really fair now. Oh, now now they want fairness. Uh, Producer Mark, please play clip six. I am sending this letter this morning to all of my colleagues, Democrat and Republican, in the hopes that we can come together on a fair trial. I guess the way you'd
2: sum it up is the old Joe Friday on Dragnet, if you remember that show. Just the facts, ma'am. We don't need any fishing expeditions. We're not trying to be dilatory. We're trying to have the kind of justice America is known for which is
1: swift but fair justice. These people have no shame. Schumer really thinks that now Democrats get to turn around and ask for fairness, and not just fairness, but they want to direct the process in the Senate, even though they're in the minority. This is a perfect example of the well-known quote from Frank Herbert, author of Dune, although this is from Children of Dune, one of the follow-ups. When I am weaker than you, I ask for freedom because that is according to your principles. When I am stronger than you, I take away your freedom because that is according to my principles. That is the Democrat playbook. They could put that on a plaque above Schumer and Pelosi's offices. That is what they do. When they have the power, they crush you. When they don't have the power, they ask that you play by the rules, be nice, show a little mercy, show a little good faith. That's this is who they are. This is how they approach politics in general. There's nothing there's no principle that slows them down when they think they need to do something in the pursuit of power. It doesn't happen. And so you have Schumer saying that we need to have a fair trial. Guess what? This is a political process. Democrats don't have the votes in the Senate. They don't get to run the show in the Senate. And yet they're still claiming that they should be the ones to determine which witnesses get called. They get to write the rules. That's what fairness is. They get to write the rules. These are the same people who are telling you the president broke rules in the first place. Um, Now they're going to do the whole, if you don't do what we say, if you don't listen and take really just take orders from the left on this Senate trial they're going to demagogue this issue into oblivion here's Senator Schumer for example saying that uh, if they don't do if the Senate Republicans don't do what Schumer wants, clearly the president must be hiding something place 7 if Leader McConnell doesn't hold a full and fair trial the American people will rightly ask What are you, Leader McConnell, and what is President Trump hiding? Oh, oh, anyone want to take a guess about whether Democrats are going to say once Trump is acquitted in the Senate that it was unfair? Does does anyone want to place bets on whether, remember, not that they say that they disagree with what the Republican finding or what the Republican votes are. I mean, of course they're going to do that. No, no, but they're going to take it a step further. They're going to say that it was unfair in the Senate. That will be after what we've seen, after the total sham in the House. They're going to claim that the problem here was an unfair process in the Senate. Because in the Senate, they are weaker, so they ask for freedom. In the House, they are stronger, so they take away our freedom. That's what they do. This is who they are. This is how they play the game. Be prepared for that going forward. Um, There will be a lot of people that are trying to engage in uh, moral preening all along. There are going to be people that are, that are telling you that we should all be deeply troubled by what the president of the United States has done here, that even uh, Republicans are so concerned and they're going to be lying about facts as they tell you they care about the truth. Just understand that all of this was really preordained. All of this has been planned. This has been coming for years, in fact, not just months. I've been saying impeachment is coming for many, many months now. It is clear these people have been psychologically broken by Donald Trump. They cannot accept his victory in 2016. They live in terror at the thought of his re-election in 2020. They do not want to have any meeting in the middle with you on these issues. They're not looking to reach some kind of compromise. They don't want a shared power agreement. They want control. This is their brains. Now the left, they've become hardwired with the desire to control every aspect of your life and to force their philosophy, such as it is of statism, absolutism, secularism, uh, social justice ism you name it to just force you to live in the world that they think it should be and everything they have to do along the way is completely justified and so that's why we've all seen this coming or we should have seen this coming all along it is a scam it is a sham but there is no way around it and uh we should all remember exactly who these democrats are especially those independents and those swing states who are listening to this show Remember who these Democrats are when it comes time
0: to vote this fall. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: All signs seem to suggest that later this week, <clears throat> House Democrats are finally going to do what many of them have been foreshadowing for three years now and impeach President Trump. It appears that the most rushed, least thorough, and most unfair impeachment inquiry in modern history is about to wind down after just 12 weeks, and that a slapdash work product will be dumped on us over here in the summit. I'll have much more to say to our colleagues and to the American people if and when the House does move ahead. But as we speak today, House Democrats still have the opportunity to do the right thing for the country and avoid setting this toxic new precedent. The House can turn back from the cliff and not deploy this constitutional remedy of last resort to deliver a predetermined partisan outcome.
1: This now does make impeachment a clearly partisan affair. When the Democrats and they will vote to impeach President Trump, how will I be able to tell Republicans in the future when there's a Democrat president that they absolutely can't stand when there's a socialist, when unemployment is skyrocketing, when the economy is plummeting, when things are going badly, because we all know it will when people with the economic illiteracy of AOC or Sanders or Warren are calling the shots in the economy. When that happens, how will I be able to turn to Republicans and say, Impeachment isn't the remedy here, guys. Don't impeach this person. We just have elections for that. They'll look at me and say, what about Trump? And while I can still make the case about how we shouldn't two wrongs don't make a right. They might look at me and say, yeah, but you've also got to fight fire with fire. It becomes a very difficult case to make. That we need to constrain ourselves to the good faith understanding of what the founders intended impeachment for. The other side, however, gets to just use it as a kind of catharsis for their lib psychosis. Oh, we're so we're so upset about Trump. The only thing we can bring ourselves to do is to impeach him. We must impeach him because he makes us so very sad and angry, really more angry than sad. This is what they present you with. This is their claim. This is their offering. My friends, it's absurd. It's absurd. It's damaging. It's dangerous to the future of this country. The Democrats are willing to tear down any institution of government in order to get at Trump. And as they are doing so, they claim to be defending the institutions of government. This is what I mean by the lib psychosis. You
0: cannot reason with them. You cannot debate with them. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not that damn smart. You know how easy
2: this is? Jesus. But no one wants to do it. No one has the instinct or the will to execute anything real. They only execute failure.
1: They <laughs> only execute failure. <laughs> That was Alex Jones. Oh man, he's amazing. Sometimes he's amazing, but I worry that we're gonna have to use that as a drop for the Senate Republicans. I worry that we're gonna have to have oh, that whole execute failure <laughs> as a thing because <laughs> they will not, they will not use the process as a punishment against the other side. We're too. We're too Romney-esque for that, you know, just slap us around, crush us, destroy our dreams, destroy our policies, and then we'll say, oh, gee, gosh, oh, sorry. Oh, did we get in your way there? I'm sorry. My face got in the way of your fist. Oh, gosh. Now, only execute failure. Uh, that guy, I mean, look, he's he's amazing at, at crazy. I, I mean, I've, I've always thought that. Bilderberg's Illuminati, you know, I mean, only execute failure. That guy's great. I wonder, you know, he won. He once said that he didn't like my hair. I wonder if he approves of the beard. Oh yeah, you smug, you smug government agent, CIA agent, Sexton sitting there being all being all smug. That self satisfied look. He did kind of nail me with that one. I will say that. Maybe we'll come back. Maybe on my birthday we'll do like a greatest hits of crazy for this show, and we can play Alex Jones talking about. How I'm a CIA plant meant to take over the uh, the radio industry, which I mean, maybe we're taking over the radio industry, but I'm certainly not doing it on behalf of the CIA because Papa Buck likes to get paid over here. I'm not trying to get that government salary anymore. Um, speaking of crazy, though, you like that transition? Silky smooth, producer Mark. Cool like the other side of the pillow. Which really could also be if we're talking about plaques over doors, we should put that outside the Freedom Hut because that's how we roll here. You got Republicans, quote, Republicans <laughs> never Trump Republicans who have written a piece that is you you've got to read it to believe it. You got to see I mean this is the uh, the most overused, overhyped mini political contingent. I mean there are more members of the church of the flying Pastafarian Then there are Never Trumpers In this country And yet We hear about them And I know That's an exaggeration They can That's an exaggeration I don't know how many people In the church The Pastafarian But you understand Or the flying Is it the flying spaghetti monster Or the It's the same thing Um, But If you want Lib followers And you want job security In the current media environment The best thing to be The best thing to be is a never Trump Republican because you get to show up on TV and all the libs will gather around you and they'll say, you are clearly a smart and decent and wise Republican. Tell us how the president and your party right now are terrible, horrible. No one should vote for them. They should be out of power. And therefore, all of the ideas that you as a, quote, Republican have claimed to want to defend And care about your entire adult life. um, Those will be pushed aside and swept away in favor of lib, social justice, identity, politics, socialist insanity. But but please, you have the floor. Never Trump Republican. Let's hear from you on this one. Oh, I know people. I know how it goes. They get contracts places. I had that guy, uh, that guy, Tom Nichols. He always tells me that I should know better which I think is at least at least he understands that he could like he knows that I'm smart. And so he could call me dumb, but then he would just look foolish. Uh, Most of the never Trump Republicans. I don't think Max Boot gives me uh, gives me that credit because he's such a lunatic. But uh, it's it should frighten people. I would note that Max Boot, whom uh, who was universally despised when I worked at the Council on Foreign Relations as an council council on foreign relations. There it is. We got him. CIA, CFR, CIA, CFR, you know, TUVWXYZ. This guy's all over the place. Can't trust him. Producer Mark, he's a plant. CIA plant, trying to take over. Uh, I should. We should maybe do a show. I could do, we could do like a whole segment, like a fake Alex Jones segment. That'd be fun, actually.
4: Should just be really angry and mean to people for i just on the table. Yeah. Be
1: like, I'm a man. I eat meat. I like to yell. All that stuff. You know what I
4: mean? Yeah, basically. Yeah.
1: I mean, sometimes this stuff is really is pretty amazing. Maybe I am a CIA op, CIA know, maybe producer Mark yeah. is actually this guy over here. You never know what I he's. I prefer Russian about spy. He's he's yeah. he's cynical enough to be a CIA person. I will tell you that. He's yeah, but
4: you cynical. know that I'm cynical.
1: That's well, yeah, but wouldn't you? Aren't I no supposed Trump?
4: to hide it if I'm an operative? No, no, you hide, in plain, spy, you, you hide you know?
1: in plain sight. You know, you want to just be like that guy that no one pays attention to. Yeah, but if you guessed it right, then I'm doing a bad job. Uh, well, I spent a lot of time with you. That's true. Back to Never Trump Republican. Sorry, I got I just that I saw that Jones clip and I just couldn't stop laughing last night. It's amazing. Uh, I don't even know what he was talking about, but I just saw that clip. I was like, this is this is an incredible, incredible performance theater. Uh, we're Republicans and we want Trump defeated. This is the article. Who wants to guess who's in this one? George Conway, Steve Schmidt, John Weaver, and Rick Wilson. Before I tear apart how absurd this is, let's just all remember for a second, folks, that the alternative to Trump, and they can they can say this is not true as much as they want. It is true. We know it's true. The alternative to Trump is a Democratic Party. That wants greater control of your life, wants abortion for all nine months of a pregnancy, wants de facto open borders, wants much higher taxes, wants the rich to pay for everything. So they essentially want central planning, socialism, top down control. This is what they advocate for. Climate change insanity. I mean, the climate change stuff is completely nuts. And they seem to believe this now. I mean, I actually I thought for a long time that it was largely. Uh, Just cynical politicians saying things to stupid people that they know to be untrue, but that they also know to be politically valuable. I thought that was the case. But now I actually believe that they believe it, which is more frightening. I can deal with disingenuousness. When I mean deal, I can handle I can understand how to counter and and counterattack disingenuousness. But crazy true believers you have a much more challenging situation dealing with them. And that's where we are. That's where we are right now on climate change. I mean, there are people that really must, they must believe this stuff. I mean, I think Michael Bloomberg really believes that climate change is a, is a dire threat to America, to the world. I think he actually believes believes that stuff. But here's uh, this New York Times, of course, you want to get out of trouble with the New York Times, claim to be a Republican. Man, I, I just think about the book deal that I would get. The, my book is coming. out. It's coming, by the way. It's coming. It's a little slow. My brothers and sisters at Stansbury Research, whom I love, are like Buck. The book needs to come faster. It's coming out faster. I mean, meaning my draft has to get out faster. Uh, but I mean, just think if I if I was willing to be a turncoat and I, I just couldn't do it. I, I don't know. It would be a great economic and career decision because conservative media is very fragmented and most corporations are honestly even the mega corporations they're a little hands off about it the exception here is fox and fox is just so successful makes so much money and is such a powerful voice in in politics in this country and in culture that you can't, you can't back away from a winner that's that big but it's almost like it became a winner that nobody expected right now you would think there'd be other corporations, other businesses that would want to be involved in the conservative media space. But here's the simple fact. Left boycotts, the left attacks sponsors and advertisers, conservatives. We just don't really do that. We're okay with people having bad, crazy ideas and saying stupid things. We'll call it stupid, but we don't do this concerted campaign to destroy the economic foundation of speech that we don't like. That's that's a lib thing. And unfortunately, it's very effective for them. Because, of course, there's room for more channels. Of course, there's room for more voices on the right. But a successful company doesn't want to necessarily take that risk. You know, a parent company doesn't want to spend millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to stand up, for example, a channel. So that's why it has to come from really a audience-based grassroots. It's one of the reasons why talk radio is so successful, because people can listen to what they want to listen to. Um, and thank you, thank you, Russian company, for actually building this. This, dare I say, free speech zone of talk radio um, that otherwise there'd be so much less space out there. Because, I mean, look, all the all these different news channels, if you're a Trump supporter, you you really can't even go on them anymore. Fox is the only exception. You can't go on all these other channels. There's no room for you. But if you're a never Trump bringing back, if you're a never Trump Republican, oh, please, Buck, unlike those idiot Republicans that support Donald Trump, you understand That he's a monster and a menace and a threat to the Constitution. And since you're so smart and wise, please tell us as a Republican why you hate Donald Trump so much. And people dance to this tune. They willingly play this game. And some of them have built large social media followings off of this. Uh, They get contracts to be commentators on TV. They make utter fools of themselves. I mean, everything Trump does is terrible to these people. Because that's the game. That's what. That's the whole purpose. And they're being used. I mean, I didn't even like people ask me. You know, why? Why did I leave CNN after two years? By the way, I left CNN. They actually offered to extend me. I left. I didn't want to stay. After the election, I realized where this was going. I realized that once Trump had won, it was just going to become never Trump Central. Uh, the never Trump or the never Trump network, which is what it is even though there's obviously it's mostly leftist but if you're conservative never trumpers all over the place Uh, but i also felt like there was not there was no real stomach for giving a conservative a fair chance to make the case you're always it's always the host and some shouty lib usually three or four of them trying to shout you down and at some point you know, in a two minute segment, if you've got people talking over you and shouting you down, it doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. you could be the greatest debate genius in the history of the universe. You're not going to get your point across. And there's and it's just silly. You're just there to be punching back. You're just there to be somebody that's getting attacked all the time because CNN has no ethics. It's a bad place. But if you're never Trump, oh, then they bring you on. Please tell us how terrible Donald Trump is. And they write they write things like this. Patriotism and the survival of our nation in the face of the crimes, corruption, and corrosive nature of Donald Trump are a higher calling than mere politics. As Americans, we must stem the damage he and his followers are doing to the rule of law, the Constitution, and the American character. That's why we are announcing the Lincoln Project, an effort to highlight our country's stories and values and its people's sacrifices and obligations. This effort transcends partisanship. Sure, it does. Over the next 11 months, our efforts will be dedicated to defeating President Trump and Trumpism at the ballot box and to elect those patriots who will hold the line. We do not undertake this task lightly nor from ideological preference. We have been and remain broadly conservatives uh, in our politics and outlooks. Our policy differences with Democrats remain, but our shared fidelity to the Constitution dictates a common effort. This is where never Trump Republican Republicanism is. And they claim they would never be. We want the Democrats to win, they say. We're still really conservative, but we want Democrats to win. Oh, yeah. You want to see the appointment of conservative judges, including to the Supreme Court, where there will likely be another vacancy in the next term. But you want Democrats to win. You believe in smaller government Lower rates of taxation, less regulation. You believe in letting the American people's business be business to leave people alone. The law is the law. The law should be followed as law. But you want the Democrats to win? This is stunning. It's the abandonment of principle in the name of upholding principle. It is as though these never Trump Republicans are living in a constant series of opposite days. And they want us all to, to clap for them here and tell them that this is a good thing, that this is helpful. Um, I want to know, first of all, who. The, the, the George Conway thing, I, I this just baffles me. And this guy acts like such a jerk. I, I don't know. I don't understand why it's OK for him to call out his wife's boss, and this, why he why he's doing this. Um, it's It's just uncouth. But I don't know the guy. Steve Schmidt who signed his name it was, It's like the dumbest Republican on television. Steve Schmidt goes on MSNBC. He's always like Donald Trump is like Stalin plus Hitler plus this really mean dog that lived down the street from me when I was a kid. Steve Schmidt is a moron. Probably that. I mean, if any was running John McCain's campaign, which says a lot about John McCain's political judgment, I will say it now. Trump's political judgment about some of his appointees has been terrible, too, if we're going to be fair. But I don't know if it's Steve Schmidt. Well, I mean, Scaramucci, maybe. Maybe. See, here, this we try to keep it real. There's, we, we have to adhere to some reality. It can't just all be, oh, whatever my side wants is what my side should get. Or I just root for the team no matter what. Sometimes a good coach has to bring the team in at halftime and say, you guys stink out there right now. You just stink. Uh, that can be helpful as somebody who has actually coached before.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: Our, our senators let me that are in the
5: Senate. Here's what's happening we now. We're going to ever. Girl,
6: like, please stop talking. I, please stop talking right now. Because you know what? No what's problem, happening? Obviously. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. I won't talk to you. The rest of the show. No Okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If you're going to behave like this. I'm not behaving like You anything. are. You are talking over. Yes, we understand no, that. No, I'm not to talk. But you she, are. But what you're doing. No, I'm not. Do- fr- so I, We're not doing anything. So what libs do.
1: They shout over you. That was Whoopi Goldberg talking over Megan McCain. They shout over you and. And then they say that you're shouting over them. They interrupt you. And this has happened to me before. I I, I have, in fact, been interrupted and then had people claim that I was interrupting them. Because I won't because they've interrupted me and then I, I I'm not done talking and then they say stop interrupting me. I mean this is the way the lib mentality works. there, there is a the, the the lib mindset is rooted in a childishness, a selfishness, a lack of understanding of other people's needs, wants, feelings, uh, and at its core it is about virtue signaling. I believe this, I think this because I'm a good person. I'm a smart person. that's what that's what really motivates most of The liberal mentality now. And I I hate calling it liberal. I know it's not liberal. It's anti-liberal. But I mean, I can't call them commies all day because then they say we're not actually communists and that's technically true. And I have to get into this, you know, libs is fun; It's a little bit more, a little bit more pejorative. So calling the left libs is a good way to go. And saying the left, you know, we need we need better names for them. Notice how they've made the right sound somewhat ominous. But the left is kind of, oh, you know, maybe the left is okay. No, it's not. But if you try to tell them that, you know what they'll do? They'll pretend you get to have a say, and then they'll just talk over you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's
1: get right to it, shall we? Pardon General Michael Flynn. Should happen right away. President Trump, I don't know how I get this out to you. I guess I got to start lighting it up on Twitter, Producer Mark. He likes the Buck Twitter. I think that that's the only way I can reach the big guy. I want to say, pardon, General Flynn. You know.
4: When are we having your friend on the show? Um, that's a good question.
1: Actually, yeah. I was thinking we'd invite him on in 2020. He's going to be a little busy a little running bit. the free world and winning the uh, election. But you get his message out but, to the right people. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, the Trump the Trumpster knows the Buckster is one of the good ones. So we'll try. We'll try to see if we can make that happen. I know some people who know some things about some stuff and some people. So. Naturally Of course As one does But General Flynn Needs to get pardoned Dinesh D'Souza Was pardoned Oh that's right Another conservative Who Was given The harshest Possible situation Under circumstances Similar to what Other people Who were Democrats Had gone through And It's almost like Oh that's right Preet Bharara Democrat leftist Anti-Trumpster He was the one In the Southern District Of New York Who decided That Dinesh D'Souza Should go to a halfway house Essentially go to A kind of Minimum security prison set up for a while. Do all this community service because he gave extra money to a failing congressional campaign, which Dinesh admitted, Dinesh admitted was wrong. It was stupid. It was very dumb. I, I could not begin to explain to you why Dinesh D'Souza would do something that foolish. But Dinesh doesn't try to explain it either. He just says, look, I made a mistake. People make mis- people do foolish things. They have, you know, rash judgment. You know, it can happen. Um, but usually that's taken into account as well when it comes to the criminal justice system. And we also try to give people mercy wherever mercy is. Uh, would make sense, but not for General Flynn, although, look, I, I understand this is what people are going to say. I, I try to anticipate the arguments that your, your annoying lib neighbor will make when he comes over and you guys are mowing the lawn. Well, I guess right now you'd actually be um, plowing the snow. I, I doubt. Depending on where you are in the country, some of you might be mowing the lawn. And you see Bob, the neighbor, and he comes over and he tries to tell you about what's what with Trump and Flynn and all this other stuff. What they'll say is, well, Flynn's only facing, he was only facing probation at the government's request, but he still will be a convicted felon and his reputation will be ruined. And he has gone almost, I'm not sure what the financial hardship has been exactly, but I believe he's gone almost bankrupt, if not bankrupted by this whole process. We always have to remember that, too. These Democrats pretend like, oh, we're just investigating. We're just going to investigate everybody. Use government resources to investigate everybody we don't like. A lot of times that comes out of people's pockets. You've got to pay for that. You've got to be, you know, somebody who has has enough cash reserves in order to Fund your own defense. As long as you want. remember, the government gets paid out way. They get paid no matter whether win, lose or draw. doesn't matter. Government, they all get paid. They're taking your money to hound people who didn't do anything. So they've been doing that to General Flynn for quite some time. It's disappointing today. You got Judge Emmett Sullivan, who's he, he was the one who went went rightfully went nuts on the government for their. Oh, that's right. Another Republican prosecutor who shouldn't have been Ted Stevens. Another fix was in stack deck against Senator Ted Stevens. And that's right. Senator Ted Stevens went to trial, but Senator said T- uh, Ted Stevens lost his Senate seat to a Democrat. Oh, and that was a necessary vote to ram through Obamacare. You mean that they brought a sham prosecution against a sitting United States senator where they hid exculpatory evidence, which is a violation of the ethics of prosecutors of lawyers? Big violation, big problem. And that then resulted in the uh, switch of that Senate seat and a necessary Senate switch for the passage of Obamacare. So these little remember when they go after these targets, the ripple effect, the ramifications can be huge. They can't prosecute everybody, but they don't have to. If they set the precedent of prosecuting certain Republicans, destroying them when they've done nothing wrong. Do you want to be next? Or perhaps they just take that person off the battlefield of ideas, remove them from office and make way for some more palatable, more appealing uh, leftist, statist type. But Judge Sullivan has rejected. This is why I'm thinking of this case today. Has rejected the legal team of General Flynn's request for additional information, essentially to vacate the plea that was uh, that he went entered into. General Flynn pleaded guilty. Remember, it's not pled guilty. Anybody who says that, you can be annoying and correct them. Eh, excuse me, it's pleaded guilty. I'm not even a lawyer, and I know that one. Boom, uh, Judge. I'm sorry, uh, Mike Flynn pleaded guilty to the lying to the FBI charge. And now people say, well, he also lied to the vice president. He lied, you know, to the American people or whatever. But th- those aren't crimes. And also, maybe he misremembered it. You know, maybe he just didn't really even recall. Talking about this, because keep in mind, why, why would he willingly, knowingly lie to the vice president um, about this issue when there's nothing, there's no problem with talking to Ambassador Kislyak about this? Oh, the Logan Act? They're going to go after him under the Logan Act, please. It's ridiculous. But here's what Judge Sullivan says. And some of my legal advisors out there have told me he may not be wrong on this issue as a legal matter. He said, "Look, you you entered into a plea deal with the government, and you got the be- you have the benefit of that plea deal. You're going to get sentenced on January 28th. You're probably not going to get any prison time because of your plea deal. And your claim that the Flynn's legal team uh, is claiming that there was essentially foul play in pressuring him to take that deal. Problem is." When he took the deal, he claimed there was no pressure or foul play, and he was entering into this deal willingly, knowingly that he's waiving constitutional rights in the process. He's waiving the constitutional right to a trial, for example. This is how all these cases in the federal government overwhelmingly, I mean, it's like 97 percent, I believe, of federal criminal cases are plea bargains. You know, because they can't, they don't have the resources to try all of them. And you generally get a, a substantial benefit from taking the plea bargain and let, you know, and except for when you're talking about some cases where they're going to hit you, they're going to hit you with a tough sentence anyway, or, you know, mandatory minimums may apply. Um, and remember with the federal government, you, you serve the whole, you serve the whole bit. I think that's what they say in the joint, which is the way they refer to prison in the joint. And I think it's your bit is when you're, that's your, stint in prison i you know i know some i know some of the lingo i've watched some of the movies uh but you have to serve your full time in federal prison there's no way to no way to get around it they don't um they don't do parole so flynn i don't think is going to get prison time well that would be quite that would be a quite a moment you can never really tell but sullivan's saying look you you entered into this agreement essentially you signed a contract and you said the contract was fine when you signed it And just because you say now that you wish you had known some other stuff before you signed, it doesn't get you out of the contract. That's what Sullivan is saying about about Flynn. Um, It's it's tough to take because what the Flynn defense team is asking for is, well, can you look through the Sentinel system, for example, the FBI has and find the original versions? We know now because of the inspector general report that the FBI mysteriously has people who will sometimes change information, say, in a FISA warrant to make it look worse for the target of that FISA warrant, as they did to Carter Page. So now the ask, the question that is being raised is, well, hold on a second. How about finding out for us, meaning the defense team, whether there were earlier versions of the interview, whether there were earlier versions of, you know, what had gone on here? You know, how about that? Can we know if this information exists and then make our decision based upon the additional information that would show perhaps that there were changes made? Because here's what could have happened. The FBI initially might have thought, well, Flynn you know, thought he was telling the truth. And this is what the belief is. Flynn thought he was telling the truth, but he might have you know, made a mistake on this one. So it's not criminal. And then the people coming along who hate Trump, who, oh, I don't know, the kind of people that would leak to Ignatius, the Washington Post information and get this whole thing going classified information at that uh the people who hate trump look at this and say oh and of course michael flynn along with him say no, no no you got him you got him in saying something that we can prove is not true hit him with the charge change that around wouldn't that be an interesting uh interesting turn of of the situation wouldn't that be quite a change a uh, circumstance that we should all Be aware of. But uh, Judge Sullivan, who is not a government, you you know, he's not a a big S state stooge. He's not somebody that just takes the federal government's word for it all the time. He's been pretty good on some some issues in the past. He's saying a deal's a deal. You sign the deal. So the government's position here that even if they hid information in order to get that plea deal, even if there is new information that's come out since that plea deal, you took it. You signed it.
2: Which just feel,
1: I mean, maybe as a matter of law, people could argue this one. It, it certainly feels unfair. And it is the situation. The whole circumstance of this is unfair to General Flynn. And I just have to remember that this is this is how dirty they were willing to play early on. Remember, I played the clip for you of of Comey yesterday saying, yeah, we figured we could just send over a couple of FBI agents to entrap Flynn because they weren't, you know, they're. Coming into a new situation, new White House. They probably figure everyone's going to be collegial. Everyone's going to try to. So, you know, Comey used that good faith against General Flynn. Use the sense that a 30-year veteran of the military would probably just sit down and, who's the national security advisor, by the way, or about to be, would sit down and talk to uh, FBI agents, you know, thinking that there was something he could help them with or they could collaborate on something. Remember, there was no crime. They were investigating no crime. There was no crime to investigate. How far is this really from sending a couple of FBI agents over to have a donut and a coffee with somebody in the White House and just sort of like talk offline a little bit about, hey, you know, can you help us with something? And if the person says something that turns out to not be true, you got to hit you with a federal felony. You lied to FBI agents. But I thought we were in the trust tree. I thought we were in the nest. You know, I thought we could just sort of talk about things. I didn't. I'm not covering up a crime. I'm not a part of any crime. Well, why am I? You know, I'm, I'm going to be treated like I'm a criminal now. Oh yeah, that's how the FBI plays the game. Remember, the FBI can lie, make mistakes, all kinds of stuff. No consequences. You lie about nothing. You go to prison. This is how they like the rules to be, and this is how the uh, deep state certainly likes it to be. So this is why I just come to my my initial conclusion here. Pardon, General Flynn. Pardon, General Flynn, President Trump. It's the right thing to do. He's been through a tremendous amount already. Uh, they've dragged him through the mud. You know, this isn't a betrayal situation. Okay, he didn't do something that really is uh, is serious. He didn't do something that really shows a lack of judgment. Uh, this is, you know, this was a nothing burger. Ah, I used the word. Damn it! I was trying to stay away from it. Nothing burger. I was going to ban it from the show, but this is a making a mountain of a molehill. Some of these like old time phrases just sort of come out sometimes, uh, but they should pardon General. He should pardon General Flynn right away. And as you know, part of the deliciousness of the justice here would be Libs will completely lose their minds. I mean, if he pardons General Flynn, they will go to they will go to DEFCON anti-Trump one, Trump derangement syndrome, DEFCON one, it'll they'll lose their minds, even though the guy's not even going to go to prison for anything. It seems I mean, that's what the belief is. But just that they that he would vacate this, which is what he clearly should do. Um, they will. It'll be amazing to see the heads explode. It'll be amazing to watch them do the thing that they do, um, which is going to be hysterics. It's going to be acting like this is the end of the world. The worst thing that's ever happened. But I bring I bring it back to the, the, the key point here. Trump should pardon General Flynn.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
5: What does the Republican Party today stand for? I don't know. Loyalty to Trump is what I think it stands for. And what has... Sadly, sadly. What has the arc of the last three years taught you, and what do you want the party to be in in five years? The Republican Party was the party of Abraham Lincoln. I think... I believe three things that I thought the party stood for. Number one, everyone has potential and we should not be defined by our circumstances. Number two, people closest to the problem know best how to solve it. And number three, power concentrated is power abused always. It doesn't matter how well intended the holder of power is. Power concentrated is power abused. Those are the things I believe. I don't know that the Republican Party believes in those things anymore. They certainly don't well, act that way. They used to be uh, clear-eyed about the danger from Russia or China or North Korea. I don't know that they are anymore. If you do run for political office again, will you run as a Republican? Or has I don't the- know. I don't know if I'm running, and I don't know if I will. So has the party potentially lost you? We'll see. I don't make rash decisions, but. Uh, my party designation doesn't define me honestly it never has
1: you can add Carly Fiorina to the Romney list here I mean, I would say what a disappointment but I mean does anyone relieve and does anyone really care what Carly Fiorina thinks I mean CNN does of course oh why because she hates the Republican Party now all of a sudden or thinks you know so this is the classic stuff. Oh, the party of the party of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was president a long time ago. So what exactly? What what does Abe think about confronting China's trade practices? I mean, you know, these are fun things to say, but what does it really mean? The Republican Party is not aware of the danger of China, Russia, or North Korea, really. Um, do we have to invade those countries to be aware of the danger? I just want to know. Uh, remember that a lot of us were willing to give. Unfortunately, too much deference to the assessment of the Bush administration that we should invade Iraq, that we should uh, engage in a long term reconstruction of Afghanistan. The Republican Party of of your I mean, the Republican Party that these never Trumpers on the uh, supposedly on the right, although they even say now, oh, I'm not sure what my party is. Some of them even switch party parties. Do they take any responsibility for the disastrous. uh outcomes of interventionist neocon foreign policy i just i want to know do, do we ever get to that's a big deal they, they seem to forget this putting our men and women in harm's way people losing their lives losing limbs coming back with uh, terrible wounds external and internal for wars that as somebody who spent time in both war zones even then was wondering what exactly are we trying to do here that's a big deal That's a much more concerning issue for a party, one would think. Trillions of dollars spent than Trump's tweets. But just see and do not forget how much more outrage there has been from all of these people who despise Trump on the right, on the left and in between everywhere. How much more outrage there has been over the firing of sanctimonious bureaucrat Yovanovich from her ambassador position as compared to the really irrefutable proof that we have now. I mean, we've known for a long time. I've known for a long time this is going on. But the irrefutable proof that our national security and political leadership were lying to us about the war in Afghanistan for almost two decades now. What, what outrages them more? I mean, we have young soldiers going over there under the Obama administration, we have Marines going over there, dying in Helmand Province, dying in the fields of Afghanistan, so that Obama doesn't look like a weak Commander in Chief. Iraq was the bad war; Afghanistan is the good war. For what was Obama sending all these men over there? For what? So that he didn't look like he was a dilettante on on national security issues, which he which he really was. Um. Someone explain to me, why is there no outrage about that? What matters more, being lied to by our political leadership, Bush as well, on Afghanistan, or a mean tweet from Trump? How about some perspective?
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts
3: how can you
5: overturn the will of 63 million voters in 2016 and why don't you trust voters to make a decision for themselves in less than a year yeah so the question on uh overturning the election and why are we moving ahead with impeachment when we're when the election is in 2020 so for me honestly this is why i was not supportive of impeachment for many many months because i thought the election in 2020 should take care of it
1: oh well hold on a second Democrats now are saying that this is Alyssa Slotkin, who's out there telling us that the reason she supports impeachment is because she's clearly concerned that 2020 won't take care of it. They're afraid they're going to lose, folks. That's what's behind so much of this. They are concerned that they will lose the next election, and they should be because their candidates are clowns. Their candidates are not people of vision or charisma. Their candidates are not people who will make decisions that benefit the vast majority of Americans. They are pushing stale, failed ideas, things that have not worked elsewhere. They're lying to people about the cost. They're lying to people about the consequences. And so, as I've said all along, this is a political exercise in its entirety, and they're pretending it's anything but because they have to. The moment we recognize that it's a political exercise or the moment there is that Understanding. By the way, anybody know where the whistleblower is? What happened to the media? Where, where is the? It was reported this guy Eric Cherramella, and then they don't, they don't, nothing, huh? No one wants to dig that, dig that one up. No one wants to figure that one out. Hmm. Seems so weird, given the media's willingness to publish classified information, to leak sensitive national security program information to the public, do things that the different intelligence agencies have begged them not to do, but, but. Is Eric Sharamella the whistleblower? That is sacrosanct. That's the most sacred thing that's ever come. Don't trust the media. These people are frauds. They're liars. They're not honest with you about who they are and what they do. How is it possible that the identity of that individual is not a major news story and something the public should know? They they lie about the interpretation. They lie about what the law says. They say that the, the law means that this has to be kept secret. That's not true. Inspector General, at any point in time, could say, look, I think it's going to come out anyway, so here's who this guy is. You were protected from retaliation. Fine. Protect the guy from retaliation inside the government. Fine. That's no problem. No one's claiming the guy should be retaliated against for filing this complaint. They're just saying, we should know who this guy is. We should know who he is. And we don't. You know why we don't? Because the libs don't want us to. Now, you might say, Buck, you already said his name. Yeah, but they hide behind this 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 pleasant little fiction of well it's not confirmed so you're always going to get undercut when you say hold on a second this guy's clearly a Biden stooge he's clearly somebody who's a democrat who gives money to democrats this is a partisan hit from inside the inside the deep state they say well but you don't you don't know that you don't know that i mean but we do know that right but they like to play this game you don't know that it starts to go philosophical. I don't really ever know anything with the dossier, for example. They will say, well, you can't prove that it's false. Do you know that the dossier, everything in it is false? Can you show me that this meeting never happened, that we have no proof of ever happening? They turn reason and evidence upside down. And, and of course, that's why it's so hard to engage them. And it's difficult to debate them, not because they're right, but because they're not debating like rational human beings. They're just changing all the rules of how we come to conclusions and how we use logic and our powers of deduction. (sighs) But yes, Alyssa Slotkin says that she is going to back impeachment because she's worried about the possibility of what will happen in 2020. And then that brings me to my this is, you know, Rudy Giuliani right now is out there giving interviews and talking about how there's more. I'm just going to say it. You know, I know Rudy, he's he's got to produce something and we, we got to actually get something out of this. There has to be some, uh, you know, information to support. We keep hearing about and you know, John Solomon is dro- drops these little tidbits here and there. Oh, there was a lot of payments. Latvia said to Hunter Biden were flagged or whatever. OK, well, we need some real something. We got to stop nibbling around the edges of was there was there corruption, provable, criminal corruption going on with Burisma, the Bidens and Ukraine. We need that information. We are not able to just continue, um, you know, dealing with these little uh, snippets of stories that would be really helpful. We need we need the real thing. It is go time. And uh, with that, then I just think about uh, this. So I, I don't know. I don't know if Giuliani's going to have that stuff or not. But this this brings me. Um, this is amazing. And I've got a. This is great stuff. I'm trying to find it as I'm talking to you right now. Oh, here we go. Uh, this is from a New Yorker. A New Yorker piece. I mean, you want to. You want to know how much the media will bend over backwards for you if you're a leftist or if you're part of the of the Democrat establishment. What are they really willing to do? The truth is that the news media, the journalists, the fancy people who share their opinions and do so under the guise of just sharing information, the propagandists of the liberal media, they they will do anything to protect you if they think that you're necessary for the cause, including humiliating themselves. I mean, just listen to all the clips we've been playing about CNN and, and what they've been up to with the dossier. I mean, these people, Any credibility that they have. Remember, you can't just keep reporting on something that you can't prove is true, that you don't know is true, that any normal person would think is false and do it night after night after night without ever asking any hard questions and then turn around and say to people, whoops, just, uh, you know, maybe that one wasn't what we thought it was. Let's move on. That is their plan. But with Hunter Biden, they're, they're willing to just embarrass themselves entirely. They really feel this need to protect Hunter Biden because if people start to figure out, wait a second, it was really gross, even if it wasn't criminal, what he was doing in Ukraine. And this guy's a mess. And, you know, Joe Biden has not in any way reined this guy in on this stuff, at least not in any way that we know about. So that's why you get the New Yorker. Very, very fancy publication. the New Yorker writing things like this. Hunter Biden felt reassured on a more personal level. After doing some of his own research, he read that Burisma owner Zlachevsky had championed efforts to ensure that bears held in captivity in Ukraine were treated more humanely. There we go. Why was Hunter willing to accept 50K a month from Burisma while his daddy is vice president and running foreign policy in that country? Because Zlochevsky likes... I like when they are more nice to the bears. I like when they feed the bear good food, free range, red meat, egg, chicken, not like uh, the kibbles and uh, bits for the dog. No, like I like the big steak, perhaps a ribeye, dry aged, tomahawk, very good cut. Um, yeah, Zlotchewski liked captive bears to be treated nicely. And so that meant that Hunter Biden's like, yeah, I like this guy. I'll take 50K a month. He's nice to bears. The bears. And this is in The New Yorker. Isn't that that astonishing? Isn't that a great little factoid? I mean, you know, this would be like saying, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have taken a paper bag with all the money under the table, but, uh, you know, I heard the guy giving it to me like dogs. You know, he likes dogs. Woof, woof. And we're supposed to view this as as what exactly? Um, th- th- they will do anything to try and rehabilitate the image and the actions of Hunter Biden. Uh, you know, paternity test Hunter Biden these days, man. And this guy is a mess. Can you imagine the scrutiny that he would be under if you just switch this? If, if it was not Hunter Biden, but it was Hunter Trump or Hunter Pence, or, you know, just make him any Republican politician's adult child, an adult child who also is benefiting tremendously from his father's political connections and association. I mean, keep in mind that I've I've spoken to Democrats. I mean, I've had Democrats tell me that they believe that Donald Trump Jr. should go to prison. They want they would be happy. They would be pleased that the president of the United States, son went to prison And yet we're supposed to uh, give all of this deference to to Hunter Biden because, you know, he's he's had a tough go. A lot of people have had a tough go. Getting 50K a month, though, for doing nothing, that makes your go a lot easier. And that's just by the part of it. I mean, some you are going to say, Buck, what about China and what happened there and all the rest of it? But guys, it's not about corruption. It's not about self-dealing or leveraging one's family name and political connections in illicit ways. That's not what it's about. Hunter Biden just really likes bears, you know, wants the bears to be treated well.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: He's a very great crime fighter. He was probably the greatest crime fighter over the last 50 years. Very smart. He was the best mayor in the history of the city of New York. He's a great person who loves our country. And he does this out of love. Believe me, he does it out of love.
1: I I think that in Rudy Giuliani, I will always be thankful for what he did for the city of New York. Um, I just hope he knows what he's doing with this whole Ukraine thing. And my former colleague, John Solomon at the Hill, I hope I hope he knows what he's doing, too. I'll just leave it at that for now, because, you know, they're they're stomping around here on all this stuff still. And it gives all these talking points to the the libs about, you know, the conspiracy, this the conspiracy, that. Now, I I know they're slandering Rudy, of course. Rudy's a patriot, always has been, always will be. Uh, But here's what you get uh, people saying about him on TV as a result. Play 17.
6: Even
5: if polls aren't moving today, they could move tomorrow. And even if they don't, isn't it important to press this? Rudy Giuliani dangling evidence that he never
2: provides. Yeah, I mean, look, let's I mean, he's a con man. I don't know why we're giving him much credibility here. He's a con man who's been off the rails for years and he's been pushing these lies for for months related to the vice president. And really, to A.B.'s point earlier, he is pushing Russian propaganda. I mean, the fact this notion that Ukraine hacked the DNC and that they have the server that comes right from Moscow, he is essentially acting as a Russian agent here. And I think you can't let him get away with it. Ah, there we go. Another
1: guy acting as a Russian agent. Trump acts as a Russian agent. Rudy acts as a Russian agent. This is the thing that idiot libs say about people they don't like in the political game. That's what they do. Acting as a Russian agent. I remember during the Obama administration, if you disagreed with Obama's feckless foreign policy and reckless counterterrorism decision-making, Oh, he got bin Laden. Okay. Okay great they knew where bin laden was hiding uh you know not because of obama what about all the other counterterrorism missions what about the islamic state what about the rise of the caliphate what about the mass casualty terror attacks that were happening in europe and the united states how many of those have been happening under trump by the way you'll notice far fewer far far fewer isn't that interesting um but if you disagreed with Obama on any of this, what they said was you were doing you were doing bin Laden's bidding. You know, so you used to be you were effectively an agent of bin Laden. If you disagreed with Obama on foreign policy, that was the subtext all the time. That was the the, the way they just brushed you aside. But hold on a second. Obama's people. Oh, oh, Samantha Power and Susan Rice and Ben Rhodes. These people, these people make wise decisions. They're really smart. I don't know. Who, I don't know who believes that. But. Um, But it used to be you're doing Bin Laden's bidding, and now it's you're doing Putin's bidding. You're a Russian agent if you do anything that the libs, the libs do not like. Um, And oh wait, do we have? Do we have? Speaking of conspiracy theories, this will be a fun one. Producer Mark, I don't even know what is this Maxine Waters conspiracy theory on CNN. Can you tell me what this one is before I I, I just see you you threw this in the mix today. Do we know?
4: I saw somebody tweeted it, it was she was ranting about impeachment. And she has some weird stuff to say. I, I can't oh. even explain. All
1: right, cool. What she said.
4: Well, this will well this will
1: be a first for both of us. Let, let's hear what what the conspiracy theory is that Congresswoman Waters is sharing with with folks right now. Please play fourteen.
6: Because I believe, even though I don't have the facts to prove it, I believe that Putin wanted to lift the sanctions. He's always wanted to lift these sanctions that were placed on him because of his um, interfering with an uh, incursion into Crimea. And so I believe that they wanted to elect President Trump and Trump, I believe, agreed, I will always believe this, that he agreed that if he got elected, he would lift those sanctions. He would like to do it. He's not been able to do it. But when mm-hmm. they talk about we just are making things up and he talks about this as a witch hunt, there are too many facts. This president will not condemn Putin, for hacking into the Democratic National Committee. will not condemn him for hacking into our election system. These are facts. 17 of our intelligence agencies have said this. Are these patriots or not? I mean, what do they think about our democracy being undermined by the president of the United States of America? If they want to say we just don't like him, they don't really care about what happens uh, to this democracy? Don't have an appreciation for the Constitution. What the heck was that? <laughs> it's just like, it's like Trump,
1: Putin, Russia, DNC hack, undermine democracy. I mean, this is just, remember that game Mad Libs when you were you were a kid, you know, uh, and, and you would say, you, like, you'd have to fill in the blank with different words. This is what Democrats do with Trump, impeachment, Russia. It's just they just repeat these different these different words. They just say this stuff, and you say, "Well, hold on a second. What? I, I don't I don't get it. Why? Why am I? Why are you saying that? Oh, how dare you! How dare you? Of course, this is the way it should be said. Of course, this is a true accusation. Uh, I, I don't even know what she was. That was wow. But that's Maxine. That's Maxine Water. She. Hey, at least she was honest enough to say impeachment, 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 impeachment publicly, I think oh, almost a year ago now, maybe maybe even more than that. Whereas other Democrats like Pelosi have a heavy heart. I have a heavy heart impeaching the president. makes me so sad. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to undermine our democracy
3: unless we do it.
1: Just absolute crazy talk. But hey, the good thing about... Uh, electing democrats in 2020 if that actually happens if we have a democrat who wins the election is that at least we'll be producer mark at least we'll be going off the rails of a crazy train and we'll be doing it
4: together okay Isaac osborne you were testing me i knew exactly what you were doing
1: you can't slip one past yeah. producer mark man he's he knows what's
4: up i'm the henrik lundquist of the show don't even know who that is don't even know who that is he's the rangers goalie now one i best know best of
0: all time Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Learn to code.
1: That is something that you are not allowed to write on Twitter when referencing journalists who lose their jobs. It is a bit of snark, and I think very appropriate snark, that's often directed at, at journalists who lose their jobs in this. Rapidly changing and in some ways shrinking in some ways growing a realm of media because oftentimes when there are people that lose their jobs in particularly a rural town where the a factory a major corporation is moved or shuts down they say well people just need to learn how to code man just you know move to move to the san francisco bay area or new york area learn how to code lots of jobs there who needs your community who needs any sense of uh, you know, the neighborhood, the town, the people that you grew up with, uh, you know, you should or, or where you've been living as an adult for years and years. You should just move wherever the work is and, and learn to code so you can get a job. As if, first of all, I mean, not, not even get too deep into the learn to code thing, but uh, coding is a skill. Some people are very good at it. Some people are just OK at it. There are different levels of coding. It's not like you are a coder. Only people who don't know anything about this say this. Oh, I know how to code. Well, Google will pay you three hundred thousand dollars a year now. They will if you're really, really good at it. If you just learned and you're, you know, somebody who's making a mid-career switch, probably not that good at it, probably still kind of new at it. Anyway, it's just it's, a, it's an absurd, dismissive shorthand you often hear from journalists. But when journalists have it thrown back in their faces, they tend not to like that. They have a problem with it. It upsets them um, because they really do seem to believe there is a widespread belief among lib journos that they should be able to sit at home, write for a cat blog like BuzzFeed um, and post snark and crap and just repackage other people's repackaged stuff on the internet and never have to answer for anything and, you know, get paid and get to feel like they're doing really important work or doing cool work or whatever whatever it may be. Um, But you see Then all all of a sudden, sometimes you have liberals who have to deal with the reality of what they advocate for others. Right. So learn to code when it's thrown back in the faces of journalists is considered mean and hurtful and unfair, even though journalists often, especially Lib journos, that that was the shorthand for get a real job. You know, hillbilly American who lost his job at the factory. Learn to code. That was what they would say. Well, it turns out that there are a lot of people that have been listening too much to AOC, who is an economic ignoramus. But they've been listening to AOC, and so they think that, for example, Uber and Lyft are really bad and exploitative. I keep seeing all these stories also about how exploitative Amazon is. Uh, but they think that Uber and Lyft are really. Oh, and speaking of AOC, do you see that sheet? I just. This is a diversion for a second, but. There were going to be tens of thousands of jobs in Long Island City for Amazon. And then Amazon's going to open up a like 1,200 person facility somewhere in the New York City area. And she's like, see, Amazon came anyway. Well, 1,200 or so is not 20,000, but thanks for playing. Hashtag math, hashtag Democrats don't like it. Uh, the gig economy, though. Is something that allows people a lot of people to to make uh, money on the side to get work done that they can fit into their schedule. And I would say I'm hoping this becomes more the standard. I feel like people should be able to be productive, create their own work schedules, be productive in the best way for them and market their skills and grow their skills. But not, you know, this now I'm getting a little philosophical, but it's just true. Cubicle life is not something that we should accept as the future for all humanity for all uh, all eternity. I mean, cubicle life is a very new in the in the history of the human species, a new phenomenon. And yes, you could say, oh, but we get to sit and air conditioning, and it's you know safe and temperature controlled, and you're near the coffee machine, black rifle coffee, hopefully. And you know you have all this going on. But guess what? You also end up spending many, many, many hours of your life doing nothing. And you do nothing because there's a corporate culture. If you have to be there, you have to be in that chair. But in chair. This is what they call the CIA. NYPD even more so. You got nothing to do. Can't go home an hour early. But in chair. You're paid to be here. Well, cubicle world is hopefully going to give way more and more to just productive world. People work. And this is already happening. I mean, this is people working more from home. People being able to work virtually. People being able to do things that do not require them to go through a grueling commute and be in a place they don't want to be for 8 or 10 or 12 hours a day. And the gig economy is, is moving us further in that direction. Now, of course, a gig economy also has a flattening effect on the – a leveling effect, I should say, on the playing field, right, because – Okay. well, you can drive an Uber, but somebody else can drive an Uber, too. So how much is your Uber driving really worth? You don't have what you have had in a lot of cities with uh, taxi monopolies where they say, well, there's only going to be a certain number of taxis. And we're going to decide what the taxis get paid per mile or what the what the fees essentially will be. And that'll be government regulation. So people don't central planners don't like the gig economy. This is because the gig economy is, by its very nature, decentralized. So they get angry about uh, Uber, even though a lot of them use it. I mean, I, look, I think Uber's a game changer. I, lo- I like going to California or well, L.A. specifically. I like L.A. now because I just Uber everywhere. I don't want to be worried about parking. I don't want to be dealing with cars and driving. Or I'm, not a, I'm a New York City guy. I'm not a car guy. Although some people, like my brothers, love cars. I don't know. I don't. Producer Mark, you get excited about automobiles? Are you somebody that wants to go to the automobile
4: show? Not even close. I like to turn it on and get to from point A to point B. That's yeah, all I can do. I, I mean,
1: I'll get excited about a car when it's like the Batmobile and has like twin machine guns that come out of it. Exactly. And, Something like that is cool. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I, I don't know. I just, I can't get excited about, about cars. Um, and they're fine. I just view it as a, I view it as a conveyance. So I'm perfectly happy to hop into hop into an Uber, you know, pass out in the back seat, listen to some Buck Sexton show. I hear his show is fantastic, by the way. Um, I'm perfectly happy to do all of that. And now I see that there's this assault on Uber from the left, even though Uber's a Silicon Valley company. Because oh, the gig economy, they don't like it. Why are they upset? Well, California, in its infinite lack of wisdom has decided to change state law. So now if you work uh, basically you can't have people uh, who are working only a certain number of hours. you have to work you have to work set hours and once you work that number of hours, you have to get full benefits. essentially the 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 gig economy now is no longer really possible the way it used to be. so, The uh, the Vox story back in September of 2019 was gig workers win in California is a victory for workers everywhere. Millions of people have been working without basic labor protections. That's how they frame it. That's how they frame the story. This is Vox, super left wing website, in case you don't know. It's like if if pajama boy from the Obamacare era started his own website, it would be Vox.com. If if wokeness had a digital manifestation it would be vox.com uh, and it, it pretends to be very highbrow and intellectual by the way it raised a ton of money can I, can we get some can we get some like rich billionaires to actually fund some conservative media projects please what well, what do we got to do here can you guys talk to somebody out there you know you, you get uh, the guy Pierre Omidyar writing checks for all these horrible media companies all over the place i think he's a paypal uh, co-founder you, people raise all this money for Vox. Oh, my gosh. The cat blog BuzzFeed raised tons of money and then just bought all this traffic and pretended like it was really good content. It was total trash. Anyway, so have your conservative billionaire friends like have a luncheon with me. I'll tell them where they should put their money. Stop sending. Stop sending checks to boring think tanks that don't do anything. Um. I mean, the opera, fine. Send checks the opera if you want. Okay, but Vox writes, gig workers win in California is a victory for workers everywhere. That's in September. And then a couple hours ago, Vox Media to cut hundreds of freelance jobs ahead of changes in California gig economy laws. Vox freelancers losing their jobs. Why? Because now California put mandates Government intrusion to the marketplace in place, saying that if you work above a certain amount of hours, you have to get all these benefits. Well, that makes those employees much, much more expensive. So what happens here? Hundreds of people who are able to make some money writing for Vox. Now, keep in mind, I I think Vox is a trash heap, but you know, it's America. I'm a capitalist. People want to write for it; they should make some money. That's fine. It's legal. Uh they're now told, sorry, you can't be a freelance writer for us anymore. And they're going to consolidate into like 15 or 20 full time positions. Oh, wait a second. You mean that when the government puts these mandates in place, there are consequences from that? This, by the way, is very similar to what the argument about about um, minimum wages. People just don't see it as clearly. What does minimum wage do? Sure, some people will make more money, but also there will be greater costs passed on to the consumer. There will be a lot of people who have fewer hours, and there'll be some people who lose their jobs entirely because you are just redistributing where that capital goes. The market sets the price. And with this labor pool in California, the market was setting the price. California, I think it's under law SB5, comes along and says, no, you've got to have these new protections in place. And once you have them in place, you're gonna. It's gonna be much more expensive. Um, and once the uh, expenses go up, guess what? The businesses have to make the decisions they make. But it's just classic. I mean, here's Vox, very left wing side. It's gonna. Hundreds of people are gonna lose an income source for something that Vox was cheering as a as a big victory for workers' rights in September. And they don't see the cause and effect. They can't really figure this one out. It's pretty stunning, isn't it? One would think that they'd be a little bit more capable of discerning what goes on here and discerning what the real problems are. But liberals have a problem with the gig economy. They don't like anything that they do not get to determine by government fiat. They don't get to write the rules, all of them. They don't get to determine what the wages will be. I mean, that this is the, there's the upside and the downside in so many ways of not just the gig economy, but what the internet has done for work in general. Yes, it decentralizes a lot, but also because of the dominance of certain companies on the web, notably Google, among others, there is a centralizing effect that we all should be very aware of and that we should be concerned with. But they never the, the problem with Libs here is they never learned their lesson. They never learned their lesson. They were cheering for this, and now a lot of them I do. I'm wondering if the person who actually wrote that article about how it's a win for workers' rights in California. Uh, I wonder if that person is one of the ones who's getting fired. And I wonder if, uh, you know, she now would change. I, I bet you'd say, no, you know, it's sad for me. But California bill makes app companies treat workers as employees. That's what the whole point was here. So you're not allowed to be a contract employee anymore. They don't treat contract workers. They have to treat contract workers at a, at a, as employees. Um because they say the nature of the work is too insecure. The nature of the work is you can make money in the market doing things that are not hard for you to do and that you can fit into your own schedule. If you're going to tell companies that they have to pay a certain wage and they have to adhere to your schedule and they have to give you health benefits, those companies will make decisions based upon that. And those decisions will result in people being fired. This is, this is how it works. This is how a business works. This is how economics works. And yet, liberals—I don't know—they will just find a way to ignore the lesson here. Always, there's always an excuse. You know, this time the central planning wasn't tried correctly.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: big day began the stock market today, as you know. That will be 133 days where we set a new record. And that's fantastic. Our jobs numbers have come in fantastically well, really well. And uh, we're with some of our great governors and other leaders uh, of areas of our country that are doing incredible things. And we're talking about a lot of deregulation. We're talking about various tax cuts and various tax incentives so they continue onward with what they're doing. Uh, but this is a meeting that was set up, and it was set up a while ago. And I think they're very happy about the fact that we have uh, we have cut regulations like nobody in the history of our country. And we have, in less than three years, we've cut more regulations than any president for their full term or terms. Or- okay, here we have it: President of the United States,
1: straight up saying, "Hey, uh, we're going to cut regulation. We want more prosperity." More uh, financial growth for people, wages going up. You know, that's we should be encouraging that because really, one thing that people forget is that the world is getting. We are actually getting richer all the time. Humanity is getting wealth is increasing. Efficiency, the distribution of stuff all over the world, the, the comforts that we have, the security that we have. I mean, all of these things. It's. If you look at it overall, now that doesn't mean that there's not poverty and bad things, of course. But if you look at humanity, the world is getting wealthier. We are getting wealthier. We don't have to accept a massive move in the other direction. We don't have to have Mao's great leap forward where millions of people are starving, for example. That was entirely man-made. That was a government-made disaster. It wasn't an economic disaster. It was the government don't even be started on the Soviet Union and all the people that, and now you know Venezuela and Cuba and North Korea. These are man-made economic disasters. These are not functions of the economy working as it should, where people are making individual decisions and contracts are honored, and there can be shared. Dare I say? I know I sound like a politician from decades uh, of of yore, but shared prosperity, right? There can be a sense of everyone is getting, you know, things. This is also why, as much as it is annoying that you know millennials in particular we're getting the short end of the stick compared to boomers boomers were able to acquire wealth in ways that we're not able to and part of it is healthcare costs education costs these things have been spiking up inflation is taxation without representation milton friedman you always got to remember that one uh so things have been getting more and more expensive even though we're always told that that's just the way it is uh But the truth is that uh, we are getting wealthier. So President Trump, we are getting wealthier, and we can continue to get wealthier as a country and as as individuals, really across the board. Or we can put Elizabeth Warren in charge. Play 13.
5: So uh, the financial transactions tax is basically just a... A tax on every time stock trades on Wall Street. That's, that's the basic idea. It's a very small tax, and depending on how much trading goes on, if you're doing the second-by-second second trading, it actually generates a fair amount of money. If that second-by-second second trading goes away, it generates less money, but that's probably a good thing in our economy. So I've supported a financial transactions tax.
1: Just take more money from you for the government. That's the plan. That, that financial transactions tax, that means those of you that have 401ks, those of you that have stock, those of you that are employees of companies, I mean, the money is coming out, the government is taking it, and we'll do other things with it. It'll put it to less productive use. That's what happens. That Elizabeth Warren thinks that she should be in a position to remake much of the financial industry should be terrifying to you, should be a stunning thing. Admission. And yet, here we are. Elizabeth Warren, number three in a lot of the polls, number one, I think, in a couple of states right now. Someone who has uh, not really any understanding of how business really works, but certainly has a good understanding of how to tell envious people that class warfare is the answer to uh, all of their concerns.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I saw a poll out that says that
1: 53% of Americans think that the FBI broke the law, which that's, that's a little bit heartening. That kind of makes me happy that people are catching on to this, figuring out that uh, the FBI did in fact break the law because that's what that guy who falsified evidence there's no way of saying it other than yeah, that that's a criminal violation you, you cannot do that you cannot break the law in in that way um and i also want to want to move just for if i can to the ghostbusters because i watched this last night the movies that made us it's the, the production value of the show on netflix is not that good it's pretty good but Ghostbusters is one of my all time favorite movies, a movie that I've that I've enjoyed tremendously, seen countless times with my siblings, and just generally find to be uh it's just a gra- it's just a great watch, man. I mean, producer mark, you would agree with me that Ghostbusters is a great movie, right? I mean it's it's a classic. Yeah, and I
4: don't have the level of obsession that you do, but I'm not saying you have to be obsessed like I'm but I'm saying it's, it's even you,
1: even curmudgeonly mark over here agrees right, with I it's like a good movie. things. Yeah, he likes some things. Yeah. Yeah. The Rangers. Um, what was it? No, not the island. There's the Rangers. No, there's right? the
4: Rangers. Because you're from the, the island. No, I'm from Queens. Let's get that right. Queens is part of the island. No, it's not. All right, well, whatever. He says, so. I, I'm a city guy. Look on a map, you see the big
1: island. Don't you start with me, Buck? <laughs> it's totally true. Um, so anyway, we, we have uh, Ghostbusters, the movie, and uh, they, they do the whole backstory. The most interesting stuff from it is I didn't realize uh, that Eddie Murphy was initially supposed to be in the Bill Murray role. And Eddie Murphy, really the problem was just that he was going to be too expensive for the budget that they had. And that the uh, character of Winston Zedmore, I think was his name, uh, who was played by Ernie Hudson, got really chopped down a lot in over the course of the movie that they added Harold Ramis uh, as a writer. And, you know, Dan Aykroyd gets a lot of credit who plays uh, a role in the movie. Dan Aykroyd gets a lot of credit for being the originator of the script. Apparently, the first script he wrote that was pretty bad and was just had some basic stuff about ghosts and the Ghostbusters, but it was going to be set in the future. It was not going to be anything really like what it ended up being. Because the great part about the movie Ghostbusters is that it is, in fact, a movie where the heroes are capitalism and, and conservatism. <laughs> it's it's about starting a small business in the face of of the odds and the bad guys yeah the ghosts but the bad guys really the EPA and government regulation of free enterprise. So, in that sense, there's a lot of, a lot of truth in the movie, a lot of, a lot of good stuff in it um and I was surprised that I didn't even realize that Harold Ramis was the director for the movie Groundhog Day which I think is a really fun movie I mean it's not you know it's not a time as classic like Ghostbusters is it's a fun movie though and that Ramis and Bill Murray had some kind of falling out while making that movie that's always that was a surprise to me Bill Murray seems like uh, somewhat of an enigma people people say this of him he seems like a strange strange enough fellow so I'm going to watch the I think I'm going to wait till Christmas Day to watch the Die Hard version with my brothers because we've all seen Die Hard together so many times. And as we know, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, But I'm going to watch that one. But I said it was pretty good. If you really like these movies, they even have Dirty Dancing, which I will admit, even though nobody puts Buck in a corner, I've never seen Dirty Dancing. I've never seen the movie. And I've had girlfriends. I haven't either.
4: And it is Mrs. Producer Mark's favorite movie. Is it really? It is. All time? Yeah. See the people love that. Oh, they movie. do. Yeah, Patrick probably Swayze. Watch man, it at some
0: point,
1: I mean, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, I might, I might watch it. I'll, I'll find a lady who's willing to you know sit through it for the one millionth time to watch with me. You know, Patrick Swayze, man, he was great as as Bodie in Point Break. So I, I'll give him credit for that. Although people love Roadhouse, <laughs> Roadhouse is a, is a ridiculous movie. <laughs> I'm the cooler man. I'm just here to make sure that everyone's cool. It's like uh, the most glorified bouncer tale I've ever seen in my life. It's pretty amazing. So, I mean, it's certainly not along the lines of some of my all-time favorites and classics. I hope they do a behind-the-scenes, this Netflix thing on on Predator. That would be one that I would really want to see. Although, I think there's a behind-the-scenes on Predator on YouTube. All right, I'm rambling about action movies. Let's do a roll call. Let's hear from the people instead of just hearing Buck. Producer Mark, can you please make the roll call happen for us?
0: The show ain't over yet, folks keeping it real. It's time for Roll Call.
1: Roll Call time, everybody. Everybody's working for the roll call.
4: Yeah.
1: Producer Mark liked that one. He wants us to do a whole album of Christmas songs, but I'm like, Mark, we have freedom to spread. I don't have to, I don't have time for this nonsense.
4: I mean, you can do that as a podcast special when we're gone. That's fine.
1: Oh uh, yeah, podcast special. There we go. All right, let's see what we got here. Podcast specials, please. William writes, "Hey Buck, think about remedies for underrepresented upper under not upper representation underrepresentation. Of the federal government of the GOP. How about this?" simply apply the scotus standard in grutter v bollinger that some universities use to new hires for permanent u.s federal service prospects this would ensure underrepresented minority groups the gop in this case have access the president could issue a new executive order using the grutter v bollinger standard and requiring a target of no less than 33 percent of new hires by gop uh this is on the edge and unconventional sure to send the deep state liberals into orbit william unfortunately political Representation does not get uh, does not counted under Grutter v. Bollinger. They don't they don't care. Um, so let's see. But thank you though for your uh, outside the box thinking. It it is in fact appreciated. Andrew writes Buck. Notice the new profile portrait on your podcast. Looking sharp. It seems lighter than usual. Is grumpy producer Mark still on vacation? I kid. <laughs> Uh, you guys like to poke Mark.
4: He's not Oscar See, the Grouch. You right? guys make me grumpy. At yeah, this they're point. making him
1: grumpy. Final thing: Why do some reviewers seem to send you run-on sentences, messages you can't understand? Shields High, Andrew. Andrew, I don't know. Shorter for roll call. I mean, if I'm really going to tell you guys this, for roll call, the like the opt like send, you know, four to, or you know, two. No, no, one to ten <laughs> to ten sentences. Like that's optimum length. When people send me 1,400 words, I I can't read that on air. It it, it takes too long, and it's not fair to everybody else in the queue. So, you know, one to 10 sentences is optimal for roll call. If you want to go a little, you know, if you want to get into, like, two-paragraph territory, I can handle that. If it's three paragraphs, I'll read it. We'll read it here, especially if you're making fun of producer Mark. But I, I can't read it all. I can't read it all on air. So, let's see what we got here next. Wayne. Greetings to all in the Freedom Hut. Don't eat otters. They are unclean. I didn't I've actually never heard of anyone eating an otter. I didn't know that was a thing that anybody could do. Have you ever Sounds heard Sounds gross. Of, like I otter bobs?
4: Otters are lovely. Yeah, otters seem cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially sea otters, they're adorable.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's see here. Uh Chuck Buck, you really do condense this crazy impeachment circus down to the basics. Thanks. I've heard the Demis. Oh, it's like a play on dummies. I see. Are still in the red from the last elections. In short, they do not have the bucks to do much of anything against Trump. Worse for them, the money they can get comes from deeply troubled socialist techno billionaires. That cash comes with poisonous left wing strings driving them and the U.S. off a cliff. So it is clear they're using our tax dollars to publicly fund their presidential election. The Mueller and impeachment probes are simply oppo research and advertising to defeat President Trump paid by the tax dollars of hardworking people. Um, Chuck from Grand Rapids. Chuck, thank you. I I didn't really follow that one that closely, but. Andrew writes, Buck, with all the analysis you've given on the gross conduct of the FBI, it's worth bringing up the Ted Stevens trial again. Well, I did that today, in fact, before I read this. I haven't heard you reference it recently and apologize if I missed something. Nope. It's okay, man. It's good. I appreciate it. Political agenda and backdrop Ted Stevens' vote was arguably the one that put the ACA into law. A federal prosecutor and an FBI agent both manipulated and deliberately withheld evidence that cleared him. The general tone and use of phrases like nobody's above the law and other finger wagging and cover by fire, uh, cover fire by the media and liberals. There's a great book that Senator Stevens' attorney wrote about the trial called Not Guilty, The Unlawful Prosecution of Ted Stevens. It's worth a read for a detailed exploration of the conduct of the FBI and federal prosecutors. Chilling stuff. Unfortunately, it's the truth of the world we live in. Thanks for everything you do, Andy. Well, Andy, thanks for everything you do, man. Thank you so much for the uh, very kind note. I do appreciate it a lot. Rita. It was, this is all coming in, by the way, to teambuck at com. Do not forget, subscribe to the podcast of The Buck Sexton Show. It goes up every day at 3 Eastern. Uh, Rita writes, It was a serious laugh out loud moment, as you pointed out. Women don't usually sell their babies after eight weeks, three months, or whenever. The part that tickled me the most was that she doesn't think women and others who give birth are treated with respect. I'm still puzzling over what others give birth besides women. She is hysterical, always entertaining. But scary in that she is such an attractive nuisance and dangerous. Like an unattended ladder into a f- pit of fire. Lots of punctuation, I am sorry. Keep on keeping on. Your your show is always entertaining, informative, and attractive. Shields high. By the way, are there attachments for shields available for my Rollator? L-O-L. What's a Rollator? L- R-O-L-L-A-T-O-R. I feel like I've heard of it. Is that a thing? Something
4: maybe... KitchenAid? I
1: don't know what a roller Mm. tour is, but that'd be kind of... We'll check that one out. Mm. Um, Hey, Buck. This is from Gina. Your piece on the power structure of public schools, teachers, unions, etc., and Congresswoman Wilson's attack on Betsy DeVos gets five stars from my lib sister, who has been teaching in the public school system for 25 years. She says there's almost no way to terminate teachers for poor performance or bad behavior, and most just strive to make it to earn pension with or without higher degrees and then continue to work while double dipping for benefits. I doubt she's able to be termed, but just the fact that she agrees with you on this one subject is positive. Continue to be the best conservative talk show host ever. Shields high. Love you, Gina. Gina, thank you so much. And yes, I've I've done a lot of reading and research and uh, firsthand discussion with people about the public school issue when I talk about it. And um, I definitely I I know the drill. I know what's going on. I know how the libs are playing the game there. Uh, And yeah, to have a teacher who's even a liberal agree with me, look, the system is not the system we have right now is not good. People need to understand the system we have right now is problematic. Um, Mike writes, Buck, it's a breath of fresh air listening to someone who grew up in my era. Your Tekken 2 reference put a big smile on my face. I owned with Yoshimitsu and Jack. Who did you use? Also, Street Fighter I owned with Blanca and Ryu. By the way, GoldenEye was amazing as well. However, these days, Fortnite is my gaming drug of choice. Lastly, Brandon is awesome and amazing. Go Team Brandon.
4: (laughs) shields hi hey we love producer mark here stop saying mean things about producer mark i mean tactically he didn't say a mean thing about me but yeah. saying your team brand didn't mean. not mean no nothing gets branded
1: but no, no it's yeah. all right I, you know what i'm saying i just we hey we need some team mark to weigh in all right i want a little team mark up in here yeah. give me some team mark let's see what we got next um but you know it's a little bit like yelp reviews you know people only say like they yeah, write only the rev- mean ones right in that's right No, yeah. yeah so there you have it um that's why I always, you know, you can never trust a Yelp review is when someone complains about the waitstaff or the or the or the hostess or host being like rude. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I don't care if this person didn't like you. I just want to know what the food tastes like. Exactly. if the place is too loud?
4: Like, That's, I'm the type of person where it has to be terrible service for me to even write a review. Yeah, so.
1: I've 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 only written reviews really for places that I thought were absolutely horrendous. Yeah, um, so I, I fall into that category too. Um, although apparently there can be some consequences against you if you write a bad review. Places can actually try to sue you, I think, now. Um, They claim that it's defamatory. Uh, Let's see. We have in Facebook now. We'll go to the Facebook inbox. Jesse. Buck, from now on, I'm not just ordering a Supreme pizza. I'm ordering a Supremacy pizza. Well, just be careful because you will trigger some libs with that Supremacy pizza.
4: And what will be on that pizza? That's what I'm most curious about
1: that's an interesting call yeah i think we could all yep
4: so you go to a restaurant and you order something like you know if it's called a supreme pizza you say supremacy what are you getting
1: that's a good point well yeah. what's what's isn't supreme pizza like everything i think so it's like, like everything all the meats, pizza, right something like that yeah that can be a little that can be a little too much i think sometimes you know all the meats start to crowd each other out after a while jared buck i've been watching what is happening in virginia concerning gun laws, I think that that is where the modern-day Fort Sumter moment gets touched off. If the governor calls up the National Guard or moves sheriffs from the office and won't enforce those gun control laws, you can bet that men and women from around the nation will rally to the aid of the citizens of Virginia. All right, man, I think that's uh, not going to happen, but um, I appreciate your concern over gun laws in Virginia. Uh, But, you know, look, people need to understand that we are dealing in very combustible political times these days and if there's a real lack of good faith, which I think there is from liberals around constitutionally protected rights, you know things things can happen. Things can spiral out of control, it's something we always have to be on guard against. Chris writes, "bug, love this show. I grew up in Europe and I'm fluent in German. I know what the climate uh, uh, Greta meant when she said put their backs to a wall. It really means put them on the defensive and force their hand. I find it delicious that the left now has to play de- defense for being taken out of context. They always play the gotcha word games. Now they get a taste of their own medicine. Yeah, I didn't mention this on the show, but Greta Thunberg got in trouble for saying that she we need to put politicians' backs against the wall because some people viewed that as, you know, line them up against the wall. You start to go into a very, very dark and uh, um, bad direction there. So, yeah. I do not have um much more to add on that other than I think that it did seem clear to me that Greta Thunberg did not mean you know just because the left always acts in bad faith doesn't mean that I will I, I don't think that she meant anything violent by that she's a 16 year old girl and I think the Swedish translation of back against the wall is somewhat it sounds better better in the original Swedish back against the wall yeah I speak Swedish apparently that's right Stockholm is Not lovely this time of year, I can tell you that. It is cold. That is our show for today, which has been fantastic. I hope you agree. I'm sure you do. And if you don't, just write in and tell producer Mark how much you love that he's back. And uh, iTunes, subscribe, please. We also have Pluto Channel 248, the first. Download the Pluto TV app. Watch us there, please. And we will be talking to you tomorrow. Shields high.